Hey there, friends of Holy Shenanigans Podcast. I'm thrilled to share that I'll be recording live from the Wild Goose Festival this July 11 through 14. Wild Goose Festival is a transformational community grounded in faith-inspired social justice. It's a one-of-a-kind gathering that brings together activists, artists, and seekers from all walks of life to explore justice and art, spirituality, and community. The festival will take place at Van Hoy Farms in Union Grove, North Carolina, and I'd love for you to join me there. From engaging workshops to inspired panels and interactive experiences, Wild Goose has something for everyone. So mark your calendars and let's be part of this incredible community that is committed to making a positive impact in the world. For more information, visit www. WildGooseFestival.org. As one of my followers, use a discount code A-TLE24. That's A-TLE24. And you'll get $50 off the price of an adult weekend ticket. We will see you there at the Wild Goose Festival to connect, to build community, and to work for social justice. holy shenanigans. I'm your muse, Tara Lamont Eastman, a creative, a feminist, and a pastor. How can sharing what we have be a way to joy? Stay tuned and learn more in this week's episode of Holy Shenanigans Podcast. In this week's gospel reading from Luke 3, new followers of Jesus come to John the Baptist with a question of how to live. The soldiers and the tax collectors ask, teacher, what should we do? What should they do indeed? The tax collectors were a group of people that were known for the practice of overcharging taxes on the people and pocketing the extra monies for themselves. Soldiers of the Roman Empire served as the strong arm and the enforcers of this occupying movement. So their question of John is needed. How were they going to make things right with the people they had oppressed, harmed, and stolen from? The soldiers and the tax collectors have some serious work to do to make things right with the people. Where are they going to start their work of tidying up the economic, social, and relational mess they had made? Where on earth will they begin? In short, John's answer is this. Live with less. John explains to these convicted souls seeking to be baptized that a new way of living requires them to stop their efforts of excess for self, to engage in active sharing, to live in current terms as Jesus following minimalists by doing the following. Whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none, and whoever has food must do likewise. Collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. Do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation, and be satisfied with your wages. John the Baptist gives the soldiers and the tax collectors some practical advice, some steps to reconnect them to the people, to make amends, to take first steps in following Jesus, to live with less, and to do what they can to make right where they have done wrong. 
Which brings me to a holy shenanigans story about sharing a small story that leads to maximum joy. A few weeks ago, I was asked to submit a story to be part of a collection of Advent Reflections. The hope of this online Advent project was to give needed encouragement to inspire people in their spiritual lives and to share some joy for the Advent season. The short story I shared was one, ironically in light of this week's Bible lesson on sharing, was about how my grandfather used to share quarters with me as a child. If you'd like to read this short story, go to the show notes and you'll find the link there. My grandfather, dubbed Grandpap, was a generous soul. From his hearty laughter, to his glorious Welsh tenor singing voice, to his ability to weave wonderful stories to delight the listener, and his way of telling all of his children and grandchildren, you are my favorite, and meaning it for each and every one of us. He was generous. When I think of joy, I think of Grandpap, for the way that he would tinker in the basement creating garden decorations out of used soda bottles, how he would choose his Christmas tree from the shrubs and bushes in his own yard, how Grandma would have to hide away the Christmas and birthday presents from Grandpap because he had a terrible time waiting for the day the gifts were to be given, how he would load up his sedan with the fruits of his labors of his garden and deliver them all over the neighborhood to folks who could no longer get out to the store. Grandpap was generosity and joy embodied. Grandpap shared whatever excess he had and even shared from a modest income. At the end of a visit with my grandpap, he would give me a long bear hug and place a handful of quarters in my hand, not so much for the worth of the coins, but for the treasure of our relationship. A day after my small Advent story went out, I received several notes from friends and strangers about how the story of my grandpap and the quarters touched their hearts, of how even though it is a bittersweet story, it was a story that brought joy into the lives of others. Just like the sharing of quarters was about much more than spare change for my grandfather, writing my stories and sharing holy shenanigans stories on this podcast and in Advent publications is a way of me sharing quarters with you. It is a way for me to share the excess of my experiences with you in hope that it will bring you joy. The non-stuffy sacred showed up for me in the holy shenanigans of God in the opportunity to share a little story of less than 500 words and be witness to the joy that has sprung from it. For me, this is an example of Jesus following minimalism, taking something small and sharing it in the way that Grandpap shared his vegetables, quarters, and life, faithfully trusting that God will do what needs to be done with our small efforts and offerings for the purpose of people experiencing connection and joy. You may be wondering what this lesson about tax collectors and soldiers sharing of stuff has to do with you, of how a short story about grandfather's quarters can be a source of joy. As you've heard me mention this term, Christian minimalism, you might wonder what it has to do with your life. You aren't a tax collector. You're not a Roman soldier. This is my question. How can the practice of living with less help us to follow Jesus 
and provide us Advent joy? In light of this question, and to help us unpack our own question of what to do in the world, I sought out some needed perspective on the practice from a current-day Christian minimalist, Becca Ehrlich. She is the author of the book, Christian Minimalism, Simple Steps for Abundant Living. Hi, I'm Becca Ehrlich, and I'm a Christian minimalist. Don't worry, I'll break that down for you. First and foremost, I'm a Christian. That means I'm a Jesus follower. I believe that God loves all people freely and without condition. I try to share God's love with everyone as much as I can. And I'm a minimalist. For me, minimalism is a focus on the aspects of life that matter most and intentionally removing everything else. This means that I've pared my life down as much as I can to the most important things. Usually when people think of minimalism, they think of a bare room with nothing in it and no joy, no color, and nothing that identifies anything about the person in that room. Well, I'm here to tell you that that is very, very far from the truth. Thank goodness. As a minimalist, I've simplified every aspect of my life, my schedule, budget, spending habits, possessions, media use. I've centered everything around what's most important. And most people think about decluttering stuff when they think about minimalism, but it's so much more than that. It's a lifestyle and a worldview through which I'm able to prioritize that which is most important and not live my life on automatic pilot or how consumer culture expects me to live. So what matters most? As a Christian, God comes first. My spiritual growth takes priority. Other aspects of my life that matter most are relationships with others, self-care or taking care of myself physically, mentally, socially, emotionally, intellectually, financially, and spiritually, stewardship or using the resources God has given me wisely, vocation, living out God's calling for me, and service, serving and loving others. If something in my life isn't helping me focus on what's most important, I pare it down or get rid of it altogether. The best part of living as a Christian minimalist is that because I've simplified my life down to the things that matter most, what's left is what brings me the most joy and fulfillment. Now, I'm not talking about Marie Kondo's technique in which the person holds something they own and only keep it if it sparks joy. I'm talking about a deep personal fulfillment and deep lasting joy. I'm talking about cutting through the spiritual, mental, and physical clutter to see the meaning and purpose God has for each one of us. Our world is loud, with lots of voices and messages and ads telling us who to be and what to buy and what to consume. We're invited through minimalism to cut through all the noise and hear that still, small voice of God telling us what we were actually created for. Living as a Christian minimalist isn't subjecting myself to scarcity. It's actually living my life in abundance. Not the abundant life consumer society expects me to live with more stuff and more fame and more money and more social status, but a life filled with real abundant joy and what actually matters most. God invites us to live the abundant life Jesus talked about in John 10.10 by cutting through that noise and clutter to focus on God and what's most important. How is God calling you to live a more simple life, a life filled with more abundance and joy? Thank you, Becca, for your insights on how we might follow Jesus and work to live in right relationship with God and people. Just as I discover joy in sharing stories, and Becca discovered joy in living with less, I encourage you to think about what joy 
and minimalism mean to you? How does joy show up in simple, small, everyday ways? This week's poem is called, There is Joy. There is joy in everyday moments like warm cups of Earl Grey tea, puppies so happy they get to go for a car ride that they speak to you, insight in an area you've been looking for illumination for so long, and witnessing a connection and blessing for another person in something you've done, written, or said. Joy is all around us. Joy wants to invade the dark corners of our minds, from the smile, warmth, and caring action for one another. Joy can fill the cold and hungry with what they need, from the hands that have the means to meet that need. Joy will make a way that leads to hope, if only we wriggle the door open a little bit wider. Joy doesn't need much room to make a difference in a life, but she makes all the difference when she's made herself at home there. There is joy. There is joy. There is joy. There is joy. Thank you to Becca for sharing her joy with us today. To learn more about Becca's work, visit her at christianminimalism.com or look at today's show notes to connect with her on her social media. I am your holy shenanigans muse, Tara Lamont Eastman. Thank you for joining us for this week's holy shenanigans to surprise, encourage, redirect, and turn life upside down, all in the name of love. This is an unpredictable spiritual adventure that is always sacred, but never stuffy. Until next time, keep on the lookout for joy. And if you can, open the door wider so that joy abounds.